See, the thing is, I'm trying to find my headphones. So I'm walking around in my living room trying oh, okay. to locate. Because, like, I, I can't really do it without my headphones because then I'm going to have to have this up to my ear the whole time and it's going to suck. So how are you not how are you not prepared before? You know this was happening. I didn't realize my, I didn't realize my headphones were lost. What? We've only just begun. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Justin McLennan and Carlos Turnbull. Uh, They are former colleagues of mine at my old school. We worked together for five years. And this episode, (laughs) they're going to talk about the coronavirus, sports, parenting, as the episode is titled, but also a lot of other things uh, in between. And the reason why I had this episode is because every Friday when I was working with them for the five years, we would always get together and discuss current events for like 20 minutes to 30 minutes to an hour. We would agree, disagree, argue, fight. But at the end of the day, it was always love and just great times uh, <laughs> talking to each other and just having a uh, good old time. So you got a little uh, preview there. And yeah, I just uh, these are not only great educators, but even better men and better fathers. And I'm better and I'm a better person for knowing them. So yeah, hope you enjoy. This is In Living Color Abroad. It's very recorded. All right, let's welcome Justin and Carlos to the program. Welcome, guys. What's up, beautiful people? <laughs> What's up? How's everyone doing today? Terrible, it's not live, so uh, it's <laughs> so, so kind so of a loaded question right now. <laughs> All right, let's start it off. Uh, Justin, okay. tell us a little bit about yourself. Then you go next, Carlos. Uh, let's see. I'm a I'm a father. Of one daughter and two nieces, and I have another on the way. That nice. My wife is due in May. She's currently in France, which is a very difficult situation. Oh my god, that's crazy! I didn't even know that virus thing. Um, let's see what else. I'm 36, and uh, I'm American. <laughs> I'm a white man, white American male. Nice from PA, from PA. Don't forget that part. And it, I'm currently in PA. Yeah. So <laughs> trying to get out of New York. Yo, Turbo, how about your turn now? <clears throat> so, I'm 40 years old. My wife and kids live in Texas, and I'm heading down there in a couple of hours to spend the next couple of weeks with them. Since due to the situation going on in America, we have um, some time off from work. Well, um, oh. I, I'm like, Texas is part of America. I hope you know that. Unlike <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, I passed geography when I was in high school. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, yes, I'm, I'm a basketball coach at my school. Where we are the back-to-back defending champions. Currently, we're undefeated. Hoping to wrap up our third straight championship. Nice. You forgot to mention that you, you were mentioning our humans in New York as well. Oh, yes. And I was... About six years ago, Humans of New York did a piece on me, and that put me on on the spotlight. <laughs> and now I get to share more knowledge on this wonderful podcast that we're about to do. <laughs> Isn't it funny that like a ten second photograph ends up being like how you define yourself on a podcast? Like, 
his claim to fame, yo. <laughs> And I saw the comments. It's not what I said, but the, the reaction I got from what I was what was said made me really feel really good about my mission in life. Yeah, very- power, of, power of social media. Word, yeah, exactly, yo. McClendon. That's why I told you you got to get on there, McClendon. Yeah, and and this, this is this is stepping the right direction, McClendon. <laughs> this the podcast? Yes, yeah. yes, because you're gonna be on social media. It's gonna get we're gonna get millions of listens, and then you're gonna yeah, see the I, power. I'm just not gonna know about that. though. <laughs> And I'll be, I'll be fine. Ignorance. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. All right, let's get so, started. So, so epi- can, can, can I just say one thing before we actually before we begin? Like, go ahead, go ahead. You know, it's, 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 it's a pleasure to do this because, like, you know, for years we sat in your room on Fridays and we always dreamed about doing this. And I, I'm happy that you did it, but because and you know how much I hate to give you credit for anything. <laughs> but I'm, like, I, I, I'm really happy that you, like, you know, you took, you did, took that step and now, like, you know, you're doing this as part of your life and it's really cool I so pre- congrats dude I appreciate that I man I really that. do <laughs> and, you know, and, and believe me you know how much I hate saying that right now yeah, he, I'm, I, I I'm tickled I'm you. tickled thank you <laughs> I know you are yep. so easily tickled <laughs> well, I was gonna say oh, it's, that's a good segue though so for most of you that don't know we, we uh, Turnbull Carlos and Justin and I worked together for five years we were part of the enrichment team the, as they said fitness teachers I was a music teacher and like Almost once a week, we'll meet in our rooms when, on Fridays when we wouldn't teach, and we would talk about anything that's currently happening in the world. <laughs> it was like our time to debate and just have like crazy ass discussions. And we always spoke like I used to record these conversations on my phone, but never would I thought I would now have the chance to like talk about a, a current event on my podcast. So it's pretty cool. So let's get right to it. This is about coronavirus. How worried are you? Scale one to ten. Justin, go. Hmm. Scale one to ten. It depends on what I'm worried about. Like worried about my own health, like zero. Okay. Um, worried about not being able to go to France to see my child being born in two months, like ten. Yo, that's crazy. So wait, why did she go? Wait, why did she still go? Or because when? Because she. I mean, the plan didn't change. Like things went crazy this week. She left on Monday. Wow. And so I think if it was this funny that she was going to leave, then we'd be discussing whether or not she was she would go. She might have still chosen to go, <laughs> just because France is handling things a lot better than we are. Mm. And I think that this, the hospital situation, she doesn't trust the hospitals in, in New York mm. for good reason. I think she still would have chosen to do it. I, you know, and the way I feel about it is she's there, she's with her family, She's actually on her way to the train station right now to go from Paris to Normandy. And the town she's from has like 9,000 people. Wow. There's nobody out there that have confirmed cases. So I think there's still a lot of, you know, obvious measures in place by the government to keep everybody in the country indoors. And, that you know, they're closing all the businesses and only essential workers can work. Um, but I just, I feel a lot more comfortable with her being there than in New York. Mm. I think if we were in New York, I'd get her out of New York. Wow. Because I do think that there's just, there's just a relaxation. Like there's a feeling in New York of like, everything's okay. Mm. And that uh, there, and just, it's not being taken seriously. Like they still even, they, they still haven't even canceled schools yet. The governor just announced that they're going to bring in the, the army Corps of engineers to set up dormitories and naval bases with hospital beds it's like that's happening yet schools are open 
it doesn't it literally doesn't make any sense there's like some crazy i don't know if it's because of the state test i don't know if it's because they ordered a bunch of food and they don't want it to go to waste but what what is happening literally makes no sense so i'd much rather have her in a place where things make more sense but i i literally might not be able to go that's yo Um, i really hope you do because that's insane that's crazy yeah that's crazy turbo how you how you how you feeling about the whole situation so, like, look, look, like, like McClendon said himself, like, for my own personal health, you know, not not afraid at all. Um, for the most part, if you, if you look at who's getting sick, you know, it's like the the people that have that are already sick in general that have like different um, health issues. Um, it's just like my own personal health. Like, I'm I'm fine with that. For me, like, the biggest concerns I have are like the long term, you know, ramifications. Like, I was speaking with someone yesterday and we talked about how like you know the economic mess that this is, this is going to create like some people won't be able to bounce back mm. from a situation like you know like you know we talk about like the single mother right that's now her, her kids home from school they can't work right mm. and we talk about like you know I was talking to my brother we talked about like you know people not being able to pay rent you know homeowners not being able to pay mortgages and that whole trickle down effect you know so honestly for me my, my biggest issue is going to be like after a while you know when people are starving or whatever people do things you know because no one's going to watch their family starve to death mm-hmm. you know so I my, my concern is like you know the potential for like if it gets bad you know I'm, I'm hoping this is like like you know worst case scenario that it's just like just like almost like lawlessness where people are like literally yeah, you know stealing from each other um, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was speaking with Tamara about, you know, like going to Texas tomorrow and looking at getting guns. What? I'm just keeping it 100. Yeah. Oh, because. my God. That's because that's you're a black man in Texas, bro. That's a different story. No, no, no. No, because, no, because I, 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 I wonder what's, what's the potential. Like I said to her, I was like, you know, like, you know, because I'm not a, a gun person, but I said, like, I at this point in time, I, I want to have one. And hopefully, like, my, my fears never are realize and then I go return it because I don't want it but at the same time like you know I I you know I have a family to protect and I'm just hoping that like you know it just doesn't lead to that kind of chaos where it's just like you know just just madness like you know we see like in terms of like you know riots and whatnot type of thing you know what I mean but you know what's crazy though that you um, say that because M- McLennan was saying earlier how oh New York is like kind of relaxed but yo I'm seeing this shit on the news and on Instagram how Everything's out of stock. People are stocking up with toilet paper. That, People find it over like nonsense stuff, bro. And right. lines out saying. the door in Trader Joe's. I'm like, what is going on right now? Yeah, and and and, and, and that's what I'm because like my one friend, she said like you know if I don't have something, I just go ask my neighbor. I'm like, hell off a minute. So yes, that's your neighbor, but is, is your neighbor gonna be willing to give up something now mm. that you know that they might need? You know, because I think this is gonna show. I'm saying in, in worst case, yeah. Like let's just say if it's like just becomes, like, rampant, like, back-in-the-day type of, like, you know, plagues and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 that, that, so that, to me, is, like, my biggest fear. But then, too, like, I need the sports to come back on, too. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that is, like, you know, the, the biggest worry now is, like, I can't live in a world with no sports, you know? Yeah. But, like, yeah, but like, for my own personal health, like, I, I, I'm not worried about it, but I, I do worry about, like, the people that are, like, you know, dying, you know, because they can't afford, you know, certain things. And just like, like I said, just the one of the long term, I know like McClellan, you said, like, we don't know 
we were talking the other day, we said, like, you know, we don't know the long-term consequences from having the coronavirus. Yeah, you might survive it, but, like, what's going to happen, like, down the road to people in general, you know what I mean? So my concerns are more, like, not immediately. Yeah. More like, let's say, like, you know, months, maybe years from now as to what has happened to the country and to the world, not even the country, the world. Yeah. So, Turnbull, you're kind of worried about an apocalyptic situation? Yeah. Would but, you say the same is true about you, Angel? You're worried about an apocalyptic situation? Um, I don't. I I wouldn't say that. I think yeah, being here in Costa Rica, even though we have like th- we have like 30 cases, and I I went to the supermarket yesterday. There was like one bottle of Lysol left, which I, which I found kind of funny because there was like food everywhere though. There was like food everywhere, so people are not like going crazy here. But it's definitely like the precautions are definitely taking place. My school is closed for the next week. Um, other schools have closed around around the country. But I'm more, like, to you, what you said, Turnbull, like, I'm worried about my parents, honestly. Like, I'm worried about, they're, they're in their 60s, and I know that that's what it affects, you know, more gravely than others. Like, people, like I said, I'm not really worried about my health, but I am social distancing myself. Like, I'm not I'm not going out to places. I'm kind of like, I ain't trying to get sick either, you know? So, but I'm not, I don't think I'm worried about an apocalyptic situation. Um, but Turnbull is. I know. <laughs> Turnbull, Turnbull's about to have a bunker in Texas, yo. Turnbull's about to have a doomsday bunker, yo. <laughs> Terrible, yeah. bro. Let's just rewind that and, and replay when I said, are you worried about an apocalyptic situation? He's like, I'm, I'm going to get an answer. honesty, he says, <laughs> yes. Dude, but dude. Really? Yeah. But why? I, why? Yes. Because, I know, because movies. Because <laughs> Yeah, because like yeah because like and I feel like the, what the that can't be your response Turbo because listen All right. and like you know like I said like you know these things that what's happening is like I love a movie right and I'm not saying like maybe not like on on a grand scale of things mm-hmm. but like but we see what happens in like term, times of like you know floods and stuff like that right just the the um the dude is all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's yeah, So maybe not like a just like you know things destroyed, but like you know, like I I have a concern of like if people are gonna start like that don't have things mm-hmm. are gonna look for ways to get it. Yeah. I mean, listen. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe, yeah. maybe maybe so maybe not like an apocalyptic thing. I'm saying, but like but like I said like yeah, just like think about like the the riots and whatnot and all the looting that happens, all the break-ins. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what my fear, and that's why I feel like yeah. I want to have something just in case, you know, if it, it comes to that, you know what I mean? I, I think on that note, I'm not worried about the break-ins in the sense of people, you know, coming in with weapons to try to take your food and toilet paper. Like, that's not really something that concerns me, but I do think this whole situation is going to wake people up and I like, Turnbull, how you said trickle-down effect. Because trickle-down economics, which started in the 80s, really is causing the fact that America is completely unprepared for this. Meanwhile, other countries have the resources because they did not shift all the way to the right over the last 40 years and take the government and just get rid of everything. And to create a situation where now we don't have the social safety net and we don't have people have to support themselves. And if they can't work well, maybe, uh, Zion Williams will, will pay your, 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 uh, 
You heard about that? That yeah. he's going to pay the people's salary? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the government should be doing that. But now we have, like, a 20-year-old NBA player <laughs> Word. who has to step up and be like, it's all right, guys, I'm going to pay for it because nobody else is going to because our country has economic policies that don't make sense for people. They make mm-hmm. sense for billionaires. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is what people are going to riot over because right. – after this situation, the government isn't going to change. They're not going to all of a sudden be like, yeah, we were wrong about that. Right. And we're going to now shift things towards people having social safety nets and having unemployment and having the Andrew Yang, you know, monthly credit. It's not going to go towards that. This is going to go towards billionaires protecting their money even more. And right. I think that that is when people are going to riot. And the riots, I don't think it's going to be people versus each other. I think it's going to be the people versus the government. Mm-hmm. I think it, what it is is the, the establishment as we know it. And it's so funny that the same week that all of this stuff kind of started falling to pieces was the week of Super Tuesday when Bernie Sanders, who's the one candidate in decades that or like, you know, maybe even in American history Preach. who had the chance to, <laughs> to switch things towards a more socialist agenda. All of a sudden, he's not a viable candidate. The same week that this whole thing explodes and when that type of government with 100, when every 100% insurance of, um, for everybody's medical and that there's unemployment benefits and social safety nets, that same week that ideal goes down in America mm-hmm. is when this happens. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the chance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that, that's, like, a, that's yeah, a whole so, other story as far as, like, you talk about, like, anti-establishment and establishment. And now, obviously, we're going to see we're gonna see Biden become the nominee. And then that's going to be very interesting to see what happens in November, right? You got Trump, right. right? And then you have Biden. And then it's like, one is obviously a better version, but one's still establishment, right? You have Biden. You have Trump as anti-establishment, but, like, a fake anti-establishment. And yeah, it, but, it, you know... Good. Biden recently became an honor, honorary black person, though. <laughs> <laughs> so might, he might be different now. Let, let Turbo, let Turbo speak on that. Turbo, speak on that, Turbo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, I never, I never found the context and what was said, you know, but, yeah, I don't <laughs> know what Corbin was thinking about. I, I, can't, I can't really speak on it because I, I don't know the context as to why that was said. But, um, yeah. What sorry, context would make it okay, though? I don't know. I, I don't. I have no idea. But I'm saying I can't. But I'm saying like I don't know because I don't know like why that even was mentioned. So I, I, I'm not the person to speak on that. Yo, how so, funny is the has is Biden though? You saw he confused his wife with his sister, bro. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's, right. yeah, he's he said so much just madness. Like he's like, man, I don't even know what to do come November. Hey, he was trying. My fun, the funniest part is when he's trying to like I guess talk about like that line of the Constitution. We're all men created. You you, you know the thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that shit is crazy. All right, but let's 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 stay. That's a whole other topic, right? All right, let's do coronavirus. So, how you you talk about sports, several? So it's like I saw a meme that said how people are gonna survive without sports, and they were showing a video of this guy bowling, and then everyone in the room yeah. went crazy, like, "Oh yeah, that's how you yeah. do it." And then, and then they, they were just saying to like, like, like the kid makes a move in chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw like a meme of like people betting on like two K basketball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know, I mean, like, yeah, like, I, again, like, this is, it, it's, it's tough, because, like, you know, me being sports, such a sports head, 
it's like man, like I, it's nothing to watch on the on the, the TV. So it just crazy how like you know the, the pretty much one you know stream of like entertainment just has been wiped away. Can you have you a world without I mean? sports? I, for me, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, let's let me ask you. Both of you guys. What if it, what if tomorrow they were like, all right, instead of live sports, we're gonna have um, a live feed of video games. <laughs> Would you watch it? People people do watch that. People watch esports. It's Twitch. It's, yeah, it's Twitch. It's Twitch. Yeah. But I'm saying, would you? I would not. See, you know, no I way. Have, I have, like, on, yeah, you talk about esports. I mean, one time, like, I don't even know what I was watching, but, like, what the situation was. But there was, like, uh, an esports, like, football tournament. And it was on a Sunday. And between football games that were on TV, I would switch over and watch the video games. <laughs> So for me, nah. McLennan, you? I mean, I don't even watch sports at all. I know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Do you think there's any point, though, to having having sports without a crowd? Like, what's the point of that? Be a professional athlete. To televise it. Okay, let's... Okay, it's so actually not that crazy in the world to have that kind of situation that there's a televised international event and no one in the stands. But but it, does it have the same? Does it have the same kind of feel though, right? Let's say you have a championship game, and there's like March Madness, right? There's somebody scores a buzzer beater uh, to win to win the, the, the title, and that's it. No, there's no crowd. The, the crowd goes and silent. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe the crowd maybe. goes. The crowd's doing nothing. <laughs> but would you watch it? Dude, I was all set to watch the March Madness. But would it would yeah. it matter to you though? That's my thing. Let's say I had a team in the finals. And they won. Would it mean the same? Like it would be a bit. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't mean the same, bro. It would not mean the same. Turnbull, come on now. A a championship, no, no, a championship's a championship, man. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think it's just even with this whole situation, like the end of the day, everyone's everyone who would play still wants to win just as bad. It's not like the crowd all of a sudden makes you want to win more. They might motivate you and change the game. So is it fair then? Is it fair? Twenty percent. But is it fair if you're if you're if you're playing at home and now you don't have that home crowd advantage? Is, do you want to have the game anymore? So I mean, I, I think a bit like let's say the college kids, right? I, I just feel like LeBron said, I'm not playing for an empty crowd. I can get that, you know. He has a brand and all that stuff, right? But like, let's talk about the going back to the March Madness, right? Mm-hmm. You have kids. So think about a senior kid, right? That um, you you, you, know, you always watch like the end of the basketball thing, the the one shining moment video, what? and like. The one shining moment at the end of March Madness, the championship game, to do that one shining. One I don't watch March Madness. I'm just, I'm just talking about. I don't watch. I don't watch college basketball. Okay, well, so there's always, like, you know, it's like a montage. They do have the whole like March Madness tournament, mm-hmm. and you know, like you see kids that realize, you know, this is the last time I'm putting on a uniform, and they're losing, right? And you see them crying, right? Mm-hmm. So like by that being this thing being canceled, you know, it robbed those kids that aren't going to go pro of that last yeah. chance to put that on, you know. And I'm sure like those kids didn't care, wouldn't care about like. An empty place. Yeah, they want to play the game because like, at that age, at that point, you know, you're playing because like this is what you love to do. I'm not going yeah. pro, I and you want to win. Yeah, and but you know, no, because not even that. Because like, you know, you know, what I mean, that, you know, teams going to that March Madness tournament, like the 16 seed. You no, know, we're gonna go play. We're gonna get beat by 50 points, but we're gonna go play. You know, what you I mean? think Lehigh thought that when they beat Duke? But no, no, but no, I'm saying, but like, 
But like you know, I think like, people want to win. Yes, yes, but and I, I think I, that I hear you. they might look at that situation and be like, "This is an advantage for us now." Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that any any great athlete is going to roll in and be like, okay, this is different. How do I adjust and still win? Right. I don't, honestly, like, if, if I was going to the national championships for wrestling, and this was my senior year, and they were like, there's going to be no crowds, I would be like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. That sucks yeah. for them, but I'm still going to win. Right, right. My yeah. my question is, when you talk about a montage, right? You know how you always look back at sports when they show those montages, and whenever somebody's is holding a trophy, what do you see? What is the first thing you notice? The confetti, the confetti and, and the crowd. And the and, yeah. and so, what kind of montage is going to be in twenty twenty, yo? If there's no crowd, there's no montage. Right, <laughs> but but you see. So how would it be like, remembered? How if you're like, yeah, we won the championship? Be. It's not happening. What do you no, mean? He's saying, he's saying if, if they did decide to do it. I know, but w- like, would you rather there be no montage or a montage with no crowd? Montage with no crowd. Right. That's what everyone is like. I don't really see the argument of like, why do sports if there's no crowd? Like, I would still, I would still watch. I'm talking about from the athlete's perspective. Like you just had LeBron say he won't play in front of a crowd. There was a Pep Guardiola is like, yo, I don't want my team to play if there's no crowd. Like you know, don't you, don't you reach a certain level if you're a professional athlete where like you right. you yeah. want people to watch you play? Do you want I mean, it? I, I I think like I mean I think that's you know that's an athlete to athlete thing like the guy in the UFC fight he said like I don't care if if there isn't if there's no one there I'm mm-hmm. still gonna go do this you know mm-hmm. but again like sticking with the college thing I think it's a difference you know that's the difference between like a, a college kid and a professional kid you know I mean some of these college some of these college games like you know you play in front of empty gyms a lot of times you know right but you still play the game you know and right. I just feel like those, those guys were robbed you know and then I mean that's yeah. like a whole different. You know, I, I think it's one of the worst things in sports history, to be honest. Ha- this has never it happened was. before, right? No, it's never been where all all sports are shut down. No, no, yeah. not, no not at all. That's like I think about this, right? Like growing up, I would go to the cha- the state championships every year to watch wrestling, and you look at the year by year champions, like 1947, 1948, all the way down. Every year, there's a name. This year, there will be no name. You know, and that to me, it's, it's the professional sports thing. I don't care about that situation because like, I don't watch professional sports, but at the same, at the same time, these guys are being paid. Yeah. They're paid. True. Right. High school, middle school, college. These guys are not paid. They're, they're right. doing it specifically to do it. And then in one week, like I can't. I, I can't tell you the number of times I sat and it sank in that college kids and high school kids aren't going to get to have their championship, and it just hurt me so deeply right. because of how much those tournaments meant to me. Like, my final tournament of my senior year happened, like, February 27th or something like that, you know? Right. And, like, that moment was one of the biggest and most defining moments of my entire life, and the kids aren't going to get that. And they're, it's their senior year. Like, imagine being a senior. It's your fifth year. You redshirted your freshman year. You played the same sport since you're five years old. And it's your senior year. And they're like, sorry, buddy. It's canceled. Right. It's insane. It's insane. And the Olympics, you know, we got this guy from my town that might make the Olympics this year. Like, he's 30 years old. He's stayed in wrestling his whole life. I literally saw him wrestle when he was four years old. And, like, the Olympics might be canceled. Yeah, that's, you know? that's crazy. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> The, the Japan Prime Minister said it's definitely not being canceled. 
Oh, really? They're they're gonna yeah. do the um, no crowds though, right? I Maybe. Uh, yeah. But, I, but, but like, there's still time, I guess, because isn't it later this year? The it is. Isn't it in the like, summer? Isn't it in the summer? Yeah. That's not that far off. Yeah, it's not that far off. Right. You know, no. so I, it, it's tough. I mean, but like, you know, but like, you, you know, we talk about athletes. I remember like on, it was Thursday when, you know, they canceled our basketball practice. And, you know, I had the kids come to the center like we always do. And I told them, like, look, guys, because of what's happening, our season is canceled. Just messing with them. Like, these kids were damn near about to cry. Yeah. You know, so it's like, damn, like the one thing we've worked, we've been doing, having fun, it's all gone. You know, that's us. You were messing with that? Yeah, at the time. Turnbull's an asshole. And I said, but I I told him, I was like, because at the end of the day, I just said, but look, guys, you know, (laughs) no, 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 I said to him, I was like, look what's happening. Everything's getting canceled. Everything's being like, you know, I I said March Mench is canceled. NBA's postponed. I was like, so there's, there's a real chance that like this could happen to us you know i know you guys worked hard but i just want you to know that like, there's a chance and thankfully so far it's been suspended not canceled mm. and i mean that goes back to the whole like college things like you know things could have just been postponed i, I saw the college coach was furious saying like no one wanted it canceled like we would be fine doing it in may yeah why you know did I mean? they cancel it because i got like, because I guess May Madness doesn't have the same ring to it as March Madness. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And May I, so Madness. Like, That's funny. Yes. Like I said, and this showed. Like I hope the athletes, these college athletes, realize what what they mean to the NCAA. Is that like, right, real? Right. We can't make money off of these yeah. guys. Don't forget, everything's canceled. Yep. There's no money. There's no. Damn. I'm sure so those true. kids would have had no problem paying, playing in front of an empty crowd. If you ask one college kid, no one, I guarantee, zero they thing. Yeah, no one would have been like, I don't want to play. They would literally do anything to play. Yes, you have at this guys point. that, like at this point, like this is my last time I'm gonna get to play this game, one for my school, which is yeah. huge. You know, most of those guys finished after this I said that's why they, you know, yeah they'll never play another they'll never play like another real game like no, in a right. and I said, highly competitive state again that, that's why during that, that March Madness montage at the end you see all the emotion on when those guys are about to lose and realize yo this is it damn you know and, and they got and that was from and to me that, that just showed like it was a disservice to those people that you know they yep. busted behind and because I feel because the, they knew we can't make money any money now let's shut it down dude they canceled it so quick so quick. What you, t- you talking about? Um, March Madness? You talking about? Yeah, they did, they did it right after the right after the NBA did it. Right after the NBA did it, they did it. But they, so the NBA canceled the season? No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's suspended, suspended. Right. But the NCAA canceled the season. Oh, I, right. I, I thought it was suspended. I didn't know it was canceled. Oh, I didn't know that. No, it's canceled. Oh. Everything is canceled. Oh wow, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Everything, everything is canceled. Not, what do you mean everything is canceled? What do you mean? Every college. Oh, oh, college, college. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, college, college. Yeah. Nah, nah, Damn. Nah, it's. Uh, That's just now sinking in. I didn't know me. that. I didn't know that. Part. That's a, so everything is canceled without any chance of it not being canceled? Right. Of it what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Right. 
But I was gonna say, so like you just talking, yeah, you guys are talking about like obviously sports right now, right? So yo, how crazy has twenty twenty been though? You had Kobe passing away, the wildfires in Australia, like that shit that went off in New Zealand, right? Like the volcano that erupted, and now you have this. It's only March. Right. Like how like this has been a ridiculous year, yo. And I really wonder. And yeah, McClendon, you made a point, McClendon, about like you know, like oh, the, I wonder if 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 the college athletes know. I don't know if you determine like what the power they have. Like, will people actually realize? Let's say when this is all said and done, hopefully it's over sooner rather than later, but it might get worse, right? Will people like will, will this be a turning point in society? I don't think so. I feel like there's certain times where society like oh we went through that. All right, now you know. I don't know if this is going to change anything. I know after 9-11, right, the world changed completely, right? After 9-11, everything changed from that from that moment when that happened. But will this be a moment in, in history where we're like, yo, remember after coronavirus, yo? Like, is that what's going to happen? So I guess... No, that, that's not going to happen because it's not going to go away. Right. Excuse oh, okay. I see. There's not going to be a post coronavirus. You don't it's think be so? Li- learning to live with it. Seriously. I don't think so. No. How? But how is that not no. apocalyptic, then, McClendon? If you, if you feel there's there's always going to be a coronavirus. That's not an apocalypse. Do you know? Do you know how many people have died from the flu yes. since the coronavirus a has lot, started? A lot of people have have died from the flu. Just just give it, give. It, do you know how many people have died of the coronavirus? First of all. Yeah, I o- just saw over a thousand, right? How many? It was like five thousand in the world. In the world, yeah, yeah like, like four to five, right? Less than six thousand. Yeah. Do, do you know how many people die per year of the flu in the world? Like fifty thousand. Just guess it. Fifty. Fifty k. Fifty. Turnbull. Uh, eighty. Six hundred thousand. Oh wow. Okay. So, and that's not even like it's not spread out over the year. This is jam packed into certain months. But let's just say that it's spread out over ten months evenly. Even though we're right in the depths of it right now, let's just say for the argument's sake that over the, in 10 months, 600,000, 60,000 a month, okay? So Rona has killed 6,000. And But this, like, is, this, this, is, this is not the same as the flu, though, McClendon. Come on now. Like, I get it. I get it. And we, there's so many reasons why it's so different. But the fact of the matter is our healthcare system has operated with something that is worldwide every year that kills between 300 and 600,000 people a year every year and now we are going to have another one of those mm. and we are going to adjust to that and that is going to be something that we now live with this is my prediction yeah. is that at about about summertime things are going to go down like with the flu mm-hmm. The number of people that get it is going to go down. And then we're just going to kind of go back to normal. And that's just going to be a part of life now. So you think the coronavirus is going to be like a seasonal flu, like another type of seasonal flu, basically? Yeah, more or less. That's what you know, that's what Trump said, right? (laughs) Trump is the same person that said this is going to go away just because of the cold weather. Like, is it? No. I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to like come and go with the weather. Like, cause I don't know about how the flu works a hundred percent. I don't, you know, I don't really know how all this works, but I really do think that it's just going to be integrated as a new threat, just like global warming has been integrated as a new threat. Mm. And we might have tornadoes in New York city. You know, we had, we had hurricanes in 2012 and 2013 in New York city. And people like were ready to integrate that into their, new lifestyle so 
I think that this is just going to be another threat that we have to add to the list of growing threats due to our planet being destroyed by humans, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I do think it will be a wake-up call, specifically for Americans, because they're going to see the way that Europe handled it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to see right. governments that work for the people that France especially, I think, is going to be a great shining example of what happens when you have workers' rights. You know, because I just think I had a discussion with Julie this morning because Julie and Nora have a cough right now. And Nora spent the night coughing her brains out. And so we were going to go roller skating today because the roller skating rink here in PA is still open. Mm. And I told the girls, even though I don't think there's any chance they have coronavirus, I was like, look, we can't go out and and cough. Like, that's not allowed right now. (laughs) And so... We're not allowed to, we can't go because of, you guys are coughing. And Julie was really upset. And it's kind of like, but Julie, do you know how many parents are sitting down with their kids and having the discussion of like, I'm sorry to tell you, but I didn't get paid. And now I can't buy this thing. And I'm sorry to tell you, but I don't know when I'm going to get paid next. And that to me is what is going to change things the most in this country is that 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 discussion is going to be happen is going to happen all over the country. And a lot of the people that are going to be affected are the ones that would normally vote for a right wing government. Mm. And so when they can wake up and realize that left wing versus right wing establishment versus new ideals, we're talking about workers rights. We're talking about the rights of people's economic stability and things that should just be, given in the richest country in the world to all of its citizens. And I think that, honestly, other than school ending, like I think school is going to take a big hit on this, just the concept of school. And I think that that's going to be a really good thing for kids. And that's a whole other um, talk. Mm -hmm. But I think just the fact that the state tests are essentially canceled right now. is kind of a, an omen for what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of really difficult times for a lot of people, but overall, most people are not going to be touched by this. They're going to be touched by economics. Right. And that, those are the riots that I think are going to happen. Right. Because right. the government right. is going to... And so, and yes, when you spoke about like the, the one person, you know, I don't have money for this. And I don't know when I'm gonna have money for that, and, and that's what that's what leads me to my fear about, like you know, when people start like turning on each other to get stuff. I know you said going against the government, you know what I mean, but like in those moments, like if I'm starving, like I can't go fight the government. That's not gonna help me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can go, I can go try to rob you for that immediate yeah, thing, and right. that's what, that's why I say, like you know, I talk about like you know, having like you know, have one side of a weapon. It's for those those instances where like I don't have right. something, and that, yeah, like you know, like the government's a bigger problem. But like in that in that moment, I gotta go fight you for. But you know it's funny because right. you, you just made that good point. I know my brother was saying how like you know, America. You know they say the home of the free, the land of the brave. He's like America is like they're, they're, they're like this is a country based on fear. Like we're afraid to do something different. It's like mm-hmm. when you said like this might be the thing that causes it to be like yeah, hold on. Yeah, this, this, we're, not, we're not doing anything over here. You know, right. it's like you said this might be that wake up call that we need to be like yo fuck the system. Because this was handled over there, people are told, like, don't go to work, stay home. 
Yeah. Yo, but you, to, like, to, 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 to kind of argument that term, and you too, McClendon, you mentioned France and Europe, right? But Italy messed up. Italy didn't heed the calls of uh, the other countries, and they had to shut down the whole fucking country. And yo, I just saw it on the news. My brother sent me an article, bro, that this is guy with his sister who's dead. And nobody's going to get his dead sister from his apartment. Because nobody wants to go pick up a dead body. Because because the, the, the whole country shut down. Like, so it's like things like that. Like, I agree, like, you know, how other countries are handling it because they have, you know, healthcare and stuff like that. But there's certain countries, that I think this is like a human problem, right? That we always think it can't happen to us. It happens over there. And then when it's too late... Then we, like, Italy, mad people died, and the whole country is, like, shut, completely shut down. And who knows if that's going to happen here in America, right? But, like, I feel like sometimes that humans in general, whether, you know, left-wing or right-wing or whatever, we're too stupid for, <laughs> for our own good, and we think we're, like, we're untouchable when it comes to certain things. And this is the exact opposite reaction, where we, where we, where we panic, like Turnbull, you guys are saying. Like, oh, I, you're right, Tur- like Turnbull said, we got to fight you. You're my problem. I, I know the government's an issue, but right now I see you in my way between you and my and my health you know what i mean so i I sometimes feel like it's gonna be like uh you guys ever seen the the twilight zone yeah you you remember the the uh the um uh nightmare what is it Uh, no something do on maple street where they think that there's that they're aliens or whatever and they end up turning on each other thinking that one of them is the alien and it turns out the end of the episode that the aliens are watching them like it's so crazy (laughs) it's it's like we'll turn like trumbull said we'll turn on each other before we turn on the government like isn't it? Be, right. it and, and that's the and that's the scary part, I guess you can say about this whole thing, where it might be yeah. a wake up call. But what if it's not a wake up call? What if it's the exact opposite? What if it turns to what happened after nine eleven? Where obviously nine eleven was a wake up call for like, oh my god. And what happened? Everyone became a, a, a xenophobe, right? When it came to any Muslim that you saw, any Arab, that became a terrorist. And now here, because this this thing started in Asia, any Asian person you see, yo, they they got some virus, yo. What are you doing here? Put a yeah, mask they're, on. They're handling it. Like Asia is actually handling it. But Asia's I'm not. The but that's not how we're. But, numbers but, are actually going down. But we're talking about from the American perspective is what I'm saying. Because it started in Asia and that whole shit went crazy when it first happened in Wuhan or whatever. And people are gonna start seeing. I might maybe. I, mean, I hope I'm wrong. But like any Asian, to your point, McLennan, Let's say we we deal. With the coronavirus becomes a part of our daily life, right? Now because that that started in Asia and in China, people are gonna look at any Asian person as a potential carrier of this virus. That's shifting now, though. That did happen, for sure. But that is now shifting. But, like, you know, people here are, like, get Asian and beat up now for it. Yep. I think that is going to pass when Asia is going down and all of these other countries. I think New York City is going to look really, really bad because New York City is keeping schools open, which literally blows my mind that they haven't canceled school yet. You know, so it's like th- there. I think that narrative is going to shift, and I do think that because of the worldwideness of all of, of this whole situation, that it's completely unprecedented. That you, you know, can't compare this to anything else. And I think that in moments like this, like I can't remember who said it, Milton Friedman, some economics guy, mm-hmm. basically said, when a disaster or a catastrophe hits, what is used to rebuild are the ideas that are around at the time. Okay. And that seems like a very simple and kind of like overly simplistic idea. But if you read into it and you look into what happens after these natural disasters all around the world, basically these people come in, 
And they're like, oh yeah, like this is what we do. This is how this works. We're gonna we're gonna give you a loan. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to do X, Y, and Z to get a really low interest rate. You're gonna have to open your borders up for international corporations. And basically, these big countries with all this power are gonna come in, and they're gonna put all these resorts up, and they're gonna take your country from you. It's called disaster capitalism. Mm-hmm. And right now, like what happened in Puerto we're, Rico? We're, we're, Puerto Rico is a great example. But if you look at any of the natural disasters it happens everywhere yeah yeah every time everywhere that this has happened tsunami hurricane doesn't matter these companies with a lot of money come in and then they they put these things in place now this is different because this is a worldwide catastrophe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i think this is an opportunity for leaders to rise up and to start dictating what those ideas that are laying around are and so I think, Rodriguez, you got to move back to the States, bro. Because you're a Marco Rubio asshole. <laughs> Marco Rubio. Put your hand down, bro. And I can feed you speeches. But you need to start. You need to get into politics. You got you got a nice face. You got a great laugh. You know, you're going to be 35 in five yeah, years, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to be the male AOC, bro. Yeah, Go back to Brooklyn. Go back to Bed-Stuy. He's a, he's a charlatan, though. I'm going to sell everybody snake oil. <laughs> I mean, like, you, you, you know the thing. <laughs> you know the thing with the thing? Well, you don't think Rodriguez would be a great politician? Yes. Oh, yes. thank you. Thank you. What, does that mean I'll be corrupt? I, think, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing in Turnbull's eye. Turnbull might think I, I might be corrupt. <laughs> you, would be, you would be. I mean, all politicians are corrupt, though. So. Yes, you have to be a little bit. corrupt. I have to be a little bit corrupt. Yeah, it's true. Got to be a little bit corrupt. You, 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 you straight right in. You straight right in. <laughs> I think. I actually think you guys would be uh, be good politicians. I could see McClellan like McClellan be like a be in Congress, sort of like in the House of Representatives, and then Turnbull, you could be like a. What could term will be in, in, in politics? Oh, you fight immediately. <laughs> you would. Turnbull would not last for uh, reasons we, we, we could not uh, mention on the podcast. He <laughs> kissing women's hands like, at the photo ops. No, but he'll, he, no, he'll be fi- yeah, he'd be like Biden. So, Turnbull, you can actually run for president, Turnbull. You can make it. <laughs> you must love Biden. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, wait, wait, wait. Now, now to turn to the coronavirus. So now I have a question for you guys. Do you think in the future, 30 years from now, is, will schools, like because of this, you know, I'm sure there's some businessmen looking at this right now, this situation, like, yo, this is a business right here. Online schooling, like, in, like live teaching from home, you know, whatever, like just supplement that at home, you know, like homeschooling, but homeschooling 2.0 or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So like in 30 years, 25 years from now, will this be the reality of the world? Where half, let's say half of the schools will be, you go to school and half of it will be in like homeschooling, but with teachers, you know, like live schooling. What do you think? Yeah, I think that is exactly what's going to happen. I think right now in France, what they've done with the schools, have you heard about this at all? No. No. So school, school has become childcare. So basically you work an essential job for the government and for the country, you continue to go to work. And you're allowed to take your kid to school. Mm. But only essential workers can take their kids to school. And I think that is what New York City should also do. Because 
de Blasio's whole point is that if you shut down the schools, you shut down the city. It's like, well, but not all people like my daughter isn't going to go to school next week. She's going to stay with me because I'm paid to be home. Yeah. So not all kids are in that situation. So really what they should be doing is what France is doing, which is don't send your kid to school unless you are an essential worker and you have to work. Um, and I think that that is going to be more like what school is going to become is a place where people who need to send their kids somewhere will have an open space where they can send their kid to, where they're going to engage in learning. And then the other people that have the resources to not send their kid to school won't. And they'll homeschool their kids or they'll be, you know, I would love to, if I could somehow manage this financially, have my home be a school for the kids in my neighborhood. I mean, I already basically raise a lot of the kids in my neighborhood anyway, you know, and I could easily provide the curricular necessities to teach every single subject K to 12. And so I think that a lot more innovative school structures are going to start popping up. And because of this situation, I think a lot more people are going to be open to school fundamentally changing. And I honestly think that could be the best thing that could possibly happen to the world. I really do believe really? that schools are, schools are, I believe schools are a big reason that people, that, that we're having a mental health crisis across the board. I think people want to blame it on um, social media, but I think that schools are a big reason for that. The pressure that teachers are under, which then translates into the pressure the kids are under, which translates into stress reactions and their brains not working properly. And I think if you're in a much more secure situation in your neighborhood and you're in a house, it's comfortable, you know, the people around you, you're not having to deal with teachers that don't like you or whatever. And so you're going to grow up a lot more well-adjusted to anything and feeling more comfortable, your brain's going to work better, and people are going to be like, oh, like this can be school? Like you were saying, like, the, the ideas you had, like, you know, starting up, like, your, um, you know, having your school, as your home as a school, you know, that's, the older, that's something that the homeschool community does, you know, they have different co-ops, you know, where, like, like you know, my kids were in, like, um, a nature class, you know? Um, and I think more, even so, like, that just the whole idea of like you know you said like a K to twelve curriculum, like I'm I'm all for now like like you'll find your passion. I know we talk about that a lot, McClendon. Like you'll find if you like this thing, like you'll put all your time into that thing. You know, from whatever age, like this is what I like. Like I'm I'm going hard on that thing. You know, like just teach the the basics, so you know just so you know how to like you know read, write, math. But the other other stuff is like eh, hey, like. Do, why why do we still do that thing? You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, I do see this as a way to like completely change the idea of, of what, how we think of school. I say, you know, my kids are a part of that homeschool thing already, so. But you guys talked about, yeah. you, you mentioned homeschooling, right? Or like a, a kind of different kind of homeschooling. But I'm talking about like through the computer. Like live, live teaching through the computer. Like, oh, honey, go, go on the computer, go to school. And like all the right. teachers are there see. live teaching. Like, yeah, no, see, I, I've thought for a long time, like, especially the whole, once YouTube came around, I started seeing how you could just learn stuff on there. I thought that would be the, the eventually just be the technology way, you know, but, but I'm just saying overall of like, not even doing school with like a teacher teaching you like science, stuff like that. I'm just thinking about like, you have this experience doing this thing, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's the 
whole idea of like, you know, what my kids go through or going through. You know, I per- I, mean, I personally don't think it's a I I don't think I, not that I think it's a terrible idea. I think the different the different options you have the better, so they can decide what they want for their kid. But I think that right. the, I don't think there's no way in the world where you could supplement the face to face interactions in a school setting. I would say, um, of teaching somebody. So like I, I like I th- I think about like you guys especially like you know you're there on the roof you know te- teaching teaching fitness and you and they're learning a lesson with their peers there next to them and you know and you're having a discussion together. I don't think you could supplement that. Like, sure, maybe in the in a home setting, right? But I think there's something about the school. I still think the school has, holds a lot of value to go to school, no, to go to institution. And I no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's the future. I wouldn't want that to be uh, diminished, right? I would want it still to be where I, I'm as a teacher, as us as teachers. I'm going to school. I'm in a classroom. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all learning here together. You know, as teacher, as student. And I just don't think like I. I wouldn't want like I like live teaching. I would hate to do live teaching. I don't want to live teach anybody. Like I'm like nah. Like I'd rather be just be in the classroom doing this. Like if you're gonna if we're gonna be home, I'm gonna just give you assignments to do. You know, I don't want to like be do live teaching from my house in your home. You know what I'm saying? That's the way I feel about it. I don't know about you guys, but I agree. I think that internet. Teaching is not a good setup. I think that there's way more. You know, do you know what percentage of communication is nonverbal? Like eighty percent. Mm. I think eighty percent. It's like a really high percentage of human communication is nonverbal, and so you know, there's a lot of unseen things that are happening communication-wise when two people talk face to face that you just don't get mm-hmm. through a phone or through FaceTime or whatever. And I think, and I think that everybody kind of knows that. I also think that if you have a situation where kids don't aren't in school all day long, there's going to be social settings that are much more like what Turnbull's saying, where people gather around interests and they gather around things that they want to do, mm. like sports or like, you know, Legos or video games or things that are much more oriented towards kids and adults who have relinquished their raising of kids to the teachers oh because God, schools that, have come along that. and been like, hey, guys, we're going to take care of this. Yeah. They're going to be like, yeah, I'll teach you how to fix a car because I can. You know, like society is going to start raising our kids as a whole as opposed to schools just being entrusted and then failing miserably, which is what is currently <laughs> happening. Yeah. Um, by yeah. focusing in on things that don't matter at all and that we don't teach kids how to live life or even to do the most essential things. Right. Um, and I think, I really do think that that is going to be a huge part. The fact that schools are closing is, like that schools are closed across the world right now, I think is so indicative of kind of the shift that is about to happen mm. in the future. And I think that it's a time, and I don't really know how I'm going to spend my two weeks off or however many weeks off I have, but I'm really trying to figure out how to get my ideas to a place. I don't know if I'm going to write some things and send them in um, as freelance, but I really do think like this: these ideas need to start being circulated as far as, hey, this is, this is a big problem, but this is also an amazing opportunity mm-hmm. because the system that we have is unjust and incredibly fucked up and ruining children. Right. You know? And I don't know, now's not the time maybe, but like, (laughs) 
once things kind of blow over a little bit. Yeah. You know, and the other thing too is like when when Puerto Rico closed their schools. That was crazy. There was a huge change in the way socially, like they called it the ch- the childhood revolution. In the ways that kids began to play together mm. so much, and I, you know, they were like I, like right after uh, Hurricane Maria, when there was like no electricity and the schools were completely canceled, and the kids were just like, "What do we do now?" It kids were the most inventive with what they began to do, and I think that that same situation is going to happen now, where it's like all these kids now have all of this time. <laughs> You can leave it to kids to revolutionize things. True, or or better yet, I would say, I would say now it's time for parents to get involved in the kids' education, and, yeah, yeah. and, and that's the that's the part that I feel like I, I'm and I'm, we spoke about this before. Like I really can't stand like when a parent, in general, generally speaking, wants the teacher to be the parent and the teacher, you know, and it's like yo, like I'm the teacher. I also, ha- I mean, obviously I see a kid probably more than you do, but when your kid is home, I'm not there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got a parent now, and you you also got to teach. Like, like I just, yeah. and I think that what's happening now is that it's now forcing parents, you know, or they or they feel like it's forcing parents to be like, wow, I got to deal with my kid now. You know, <laughs> you know good luck. I see, you know, I'm in front of a, a Facebook group in Texas, and yeah, that was one of the posts. The person was like... I need help. I have no idea what to do with my six-year-old child since they're home from school. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do? And then now you have to think about, like, man, really, I'm responsible. For this. I'm responsible for this kid. Yep. And I right. just, just have no idea. Yeah. And that's and that's also school's fault. Why is that? Why is that school's fault? Because in our society, schools are the owners of like raising and educating children. Well, I mean, that's what. No, no, no. Because see. No, no, why is it not? Why is it not parents' fault? No, it's a parent. That's a parent because. But our parents trained on how to like. How to raise kids? With, huh? With your, with your child? <laughs> no, no, bro, look, look, you laugh, you laugh. But think of the amount of education that a teacher gets to be able to relate to children. You know, they get all of this education about how the brain works, about how education works, about how to relate to kids. Parents get none of that. That's true. Not only that, like, child-rearing practices in this country as of, like, 50 years ago were complete bullshit. And so it's not like there's this incredible amount of knowledge that, that goes around on how to effectively raise your child. You know, that's that that still is all controversial. But, but, but how would, yeah, it is controversial. Is the best way to rate. Because how can I be? A, how can I tell Turnbull, yo, Turnbull, let's say Turnbull wasn't a teacher, right? Oh, you, McLennan. And I'm like, well, let's sit down. This is what you got to do with Julie. This is what you got to do with with, uh, with Zoe. Like, how how would that come across? Like, obviously, it would, it would need to be a, a, a part. Because I do agree with you. I think pe- teachers see see kids in a different light when they're in school, right? And then certain behaviors, they could, like, okay, this makes sense because of, ex- because of this parent, uh, you know, son relationship or whatever, right? So, like, it's, I think it's hard for parents unless they become educated on it, right? Whether through their own experiences or, like you said, having somebody tell them, right? Like, how, how do they learn how to raise a kid? But then they, like... Well, this, I, is, this is my point. Look, Rodriguez, when you wanted to put your TV up in your in your apartment, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? Well, I called you, didn't I? <laughs> right. You know, you wanted to put your curtains up. What did you do? 
I called you. I'm going to delete all this. <laughs> Dude, every time that you've had to screw something into the wall, you've gotten someone else to do it because yeah. that is how our society works. They know better. You have specializations in certain things, yeah. and in other things, you have no fucking clue how to do anything, <laughs> and you let someone else do it. Yeah, yeah. Raising a kid, especially young children, is really hard. There's so much knowledge and finesse and dynamics that go into that. And so what has happened because of school, school has said, it's okay, guys, we got this. We're going to get your kids to and through college, et cetera, et cetera. We got this. Mm -hmm. And so parents like you with your hanging of the TV are like, "Mm, I'll talk to the teacher about this. The school will deal with this because they're not trained on how to do it. Mm. And in our society, if you're not trained on how to do it, you rely on other people to do it. But relying so on, but relying and being completely like, in like to me, it's like it's relying on someone is different, and then being like, I have nothing to do with this kind of thing. And that's a different thing. Like if you, that, cu- that's what you did. No, what <laughs> screwdriver? Okay. Like you, instead of trying to solve that problem yourself, which you 100 percent could. You instantly were like, I'm going to get somebody else to do this. And if they're not going to do it, I'll pay somebody. Okay. To do it. But that's a, well, well, I mean, that's a little, but I think we're getting a little bit hyperbole here where you're comparing raising a kid to putting a TV up. <laughs> I don't. I think it's the same thing. It's the it's same like, thing. I, I really? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. That's not my ministry. But you're and talking so about a, gonna, a living being versus an inanimate object that needs to go up on a wall, bro. Come on. I just think so you. So many you, parents. In that situation, or just like fuck this, I'm just gonna no. yell at my kid. But uh, sh- I'm just, I'm just going to do the easy thing because I don't, I can't figure this shit out right now. That's fair. And so I, I'm gonna I, do the easy thing, and it's because and it's not. And I, my point is like it's not their fault because who's teaching parents how to raise their kids? Turbo, jump in. Jump in there, Turbo. Yeah, I mean, so you know, <laughs> I, I. You know, my, my parents weren't like, the most educated people, right? However, they knew how to raise their kids. But any teacher could have, could have, um, Bro. yeah. They, they're from, they're, they're, how old are your parents? How old are they now? Yeah. In the 60s. And so when they had you, they were in it was at a time where tr- more traditional knowledge was around that had been passed down. That was part of the culture that actually worked See, to I, get kids. So, right. So, I, but I, I think the thing is that people don't want to raise their kids. Yeah. I yeah. don't think that's true. I think that it's harder. It's 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 a hard job. That okay, like so for me, it all comes down to like at minimum, I say you know people don't want to discipline their kids, right? So oh, pass the the school can do it. I don't want to handle this. Like I always said, like no one is gonna ever care for your child. And yep. the way you can, yep. and, and a reasonable person, yep. right? A teacher is not going to help you. No, hang on. A teacher is not, once they want, they're not going to love my kids as much as I will ever love them. But they know things that you don't, and they have experience with how many kids. <laughs> so like, Bro, what? I've, I've been teaching for, for 14 years. But, but, but hang on, they might know, yes, you might teach my kid how to read, right? I, I can't teach my kid. I don't have that skill. Yes, they can do that. But you I'm can't teach a kid how to read, you know how to read, Turbo, come on now. <laughs> no, 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 no
the whole like you know what the foundation all of the yeah, things, got you, got skills, you, got you. The I'm not skilled in that thing, right? Uh-huh. But they, they, but there's still other things I do for my kids that right. impact their life. Greater than the yeah, but... just teaching those school skills, but I can teach my child the life skills. Yeah, I know, but you also are somebody who, first of all, grew up like in church family right. where like learning character was extremely important. You got right. two parents growing yes. up, two parent yeah. household. Like so many, so many parents don't have don't, the resources yeah. that your parents yeah. have. Correct, right? But but is that school's fault? So that's what we said. What right. you said. Right. I think no, no, yes. No, no. You, hang on. Yes. You, no, no, it's not. Because I like. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they, this is like a whole bigger thing, right? You know, I was. I was <laughs> this is all no, no. of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somehow this all goes back to coronavirus, right? But like, I always said, you see, like, on the side note, I mean, we shouldn't have named this one the coronavirus. We should just be like, yo, taking it back to the day, because this is what this is, right? We jumped over. No, but that's the point right? of this. Though. That's the point. Go ahead. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But like, you, you know, you should never give a coronavirus heading. <laughs> it's just been like that's just, you know guys are shooting the shit like you said you know what I mean because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what this has come down to that we've been all <laughs> over the place but but you know because I, I always said to me it's like you know like we gotta watch and this is the, how I'm you know teaching my kids you know watch when it's time to have kids be, be mindful of the people you're having kids with because that, that's the first mistake that causes this whole thing the modern single parent household these days mm-hmm. you know that has caused the, the, the problems. Like people are going. I, I'm sure there's there's dual parent households that are making epic mistakes on the way they're raising their children agreed, due agreed. to a lack of societal familial support yeah. on effective ways to raise their children. And my but, point is but, that the but, reason but, parents don't know effective ways to raise children is because schools came along in the 20th century and they were like, Hey everybody, good news. Not only are you going to have free childcare, but we are going to raise your kid and prepare them for life. That's our job. We're going to, we're going to prepare them for life. But what school says that? That's the purpose. The purpose of school. If you look at like the mission is to like, you know, prepare the kid for like a successful future in whatever job or whatever it is, go to college, whatever. It's all about, growing up and like getting raised and so if you have these people that come on bro let me let me let me make another another metaphor so (laughs) car mechanics car mechanics right if car mechanics weren't a thing people would know how to fix their cars so much better they would know because it would be out of necessity you have all these people that you could come to be like yo dude like you know what's happening when i turn the ignition and this happens they'd be like yeah i'll be right over and i'll fix it in a lot of places that's how it is wait time out time out so are you arguing for not having people specialize in different things i think that the specialization the intense specialization of capitalism the what is it called um separation of- how is that how is that capitalism though when if someone knows how to do something shouldn't they get shouldn't they their services be met with with whatever whether you're bartering bartering good yo you know how to fix my car i know how to paint your house boom barter yeah but the, the point is that because we have all of these different services available at our fingertips uh-huh. we never learn how to do things on our own 
Got and you. so because the responsibility of raising children was taken out of the community and put into the school, which is supposed to be an extension of the community, but exactly. it isn't anymore. Yeah, that's it's true. an extension of the state. I agree. I agree. Now, parents don't have those resources because the school is like this behemoth structure that has kind of been like a black hole of all of the talk about how to raise kids and what's best for kids and the child psychology and the therapists and all it's all at school. And like, just thinking about my own experience of being a teacher, like my 14 years as an educator has so deeply informed who I am as a father, like to the point where I don't know who I'd be as a father if I didn't have the experience Mm -hmm. that I've had in school. And so I have this incredible advantage over all other fathers because I have an expertise where I'm working with kids. Other parents, the only time they ever work with kids are when it's their own kid. And so when you wonder why they're making excuses for their kid or they're giving their kid the candy that they said they weren't going to give them or they're saying, if you do that again, um, you're going to have a timeout and the kid does it again and the parent doesn't give them the timeout and you wonder why they do it, it's because they don't know what they're doing. Because nobody has ever shown them, hey, you know, if your kid gets upset and you give them candy, you're basically installing into their brain this code that says, get upset, get candy. You know, no one's yeah. explaining that to them. So they should and be like honest, a... like schools suck at that too, but at least schools have, <laughs> people are experienced by working with tons of kids. So they you should be like a parenting class then. They should be like a parenting class in school for parents to go to. I mean, what we need is for the for raising children to be a community effort. Right? I agree. Like, that's to me. That's that, but the kids to, on the street are your kids. But that's not school fee. But that's that's but that's not school's fault. And, and, and I go back I to disagree. This. No, hang on. I, I, I go back to this, right? And, and look how people are these days, right? Like, let's say, in, in you know, in the in the whole, it takes a village, right? Like, you know, my dad always tells me, you know, when I when he was growing up, let's say if I didn't say hi to my next door neighbor. The next door neighbor hit me, right? And the next door neighbor, hang on. And the next door neighbor, hang on, hang on. I'm I'm just listen. Wait, did that actually happen, Turnbull, though? That's how my dad was raised, yeah. Oh, I thought it happened to you. Oh, your dad was raised. I thought somebody hit you. No, he would get hit by the next door neighbor, right? Okay. The next door neighbor would tell tell his parents, and he got hit again, right? And now, now think about it these days, right? If I go to try to correct your child, you get mad at me. That's so dumb right. my child. So, right. so that's not that. That's the breakdown of society. Very true. I and agree. I think that society is broken down by the specialization. That's my point. Is that what? specialization? The specialization. What the hell is it called when when you have? The separation of jobs. It's like a fundamental economics 101 idea of capitalism when you division of labor. Division I'm talking about division of labor. When you take, okay, you're gonna go do that, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. It's just like what you have with sports. Everybody is like, oh, you're good at football, you're just gonna do football. That's it. You're gonna do that one thing. And the general knowledge of athleticism, who cares about that? That's what school has created. School not only has created that on a macro level in our society where it's like, oh, adults that want to work with kids, go be a teacher. Don't like be on your block playing with kids and teaching them how to play football (laughs) because you might be a child molester. You know what I mean? That's the other thing too is like people are so scared of like – But I think that goes to Turnbull's point. I agree with both of you, actually. I agree with McClendon that school definitely plays a role in that and the behemoth that – because it become part of the state, right? You have Department of Education, right? 
and parents feel kind of helpless when it comes to like dealing with their kids in in collaboration with the state, right? Because that's what it that's what it's doing, the school and the state. But the terminal's point as well, I think society, due to the fear, especially we're talking about America, right? I, I don't know how it happens other, anywhere else, but in America, there's fear mongering. Kids used to play on the street. Now they don't anymore. Because we don't want Giant to be caught up in a van by some child molester, right? We can't he, he can't go walk to the block, you know. He can't play with his friends because you know who knows my, what might happen. So I think the fear of America and like and uh, technology, like, oh, why go outside where you can, like, do this virtually, right? I think I think that has broken our society to not interact with each other anymore. So to Turnbull's point, the community the community before technology and before the things that obviously became, you know, the behemoth of what school is, it used to be a community thing, right? Kids would go to school. The kids used to get spanked in school. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not for spanking, right? But the point is that because it was done back then and parents, parents and teachers were in collaboration, right? Whatever happened in school, the parent knew about. And the teachers and the parents saw eye to eye on how to discipline their kids. Whether you agree with it or not, they saw eye to eye. What's happening now is, to McClendon's point, because the state is such a huge thing and teachers view it in one way and parents feel helpless and don't know what to do, they're constantly at odds on, on what to do with when it comes to the kids. And that's been the breakdown of the community by both parts. By society, by the fear mongering of kids not being kid, not kids not be able to be kids, parents not know how to raise kids. Most of the state taking almost all that power on what it what is like to actually you know to to raise a kid. So I think I think it's like twofold in that sense. But I think if you want to change the way it is, the way schools are are structured have to change. And like think about this, right? Schools are open from eight to two. 15 in like the, the school across the street from me and then the, then it's closed all <laughs> yeah. the time it closes for the night M- meanwhile there's no other indoor space for anyone to meet at true these these things lay open all weekend all night and people are in their little boxes because school has created a situation where it's like okay you send your kid to school you see the kid walk in you have no idea what's happening inside the school. And then your kid walks out and that's like the end of their social interaction for the day and you go home and you're in your little box. And I really do think that the schools are the ones they they schools are the ones that are in child in charge of child care and child raising in the business sense. And while you yes, parents too, but schools it is their job to do it. But what about PTAs? So, PTAs that's that's great. That's really really great. But no, I'm PTAs, saying, but the, the attendance is usually you have shit. Experience with how PTAs go. It's like you meet once a month on like a Tuesday night and you talk about your next fundraiser. You know, nobody is doing any kind of like, hey, let's talk fundamentally about like how our children interact with each other, how we as adults interact with each other in our community, yeah. and how we can change that on a grassroots level. You know, I was just thinking about my own experience with being with a lot of kids, right? Like I have a lot of kids in my neighborhood that I'll be with like six or seven kids playing a game and people will walk by and be like, what a great guy. Look at that guy. Upstanding guy. Playing with kids. You know? And it's like, if this was like 1952, like, that would just be the what you see outside. It's like dudes playing freaking baseball in the street with kids. You know what I mean? Like, because at that point, it wasn't like, oh, you want to work with kids? You'd be a great teacher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you want to work with kids? 
go be a coach in this organized thing because that's how we raise our kids is through this organized state run state funded behemoth that doesn't actually care about the kid it cares about at this point state test scores you know and so it's like we we can take the focus and this is related to coronavirus by the way <laughs> now because 40 minutes later <laughs> this can change things yeah. in a positive sense yeah. and yeah. just like the childhood revolution in Puerto Rico who would have thought that turning cell phones off and electricity yeah, yeah. Would, would create the biggest ex- explosion of bicycle sales in the island's history alright you know question it's funny because I went back no go ahead, uh, go, ahead, go, ahead, go, ahead go ahead I went back to Puerto Rico because so when I when I first went there to visit this community, it was right after Maria, and it was literally kids all over the place riding bikes and and riding horses, right? And we were like, dude, this is like this is like a child heaven down here, you know? It's like they're all playing tag, they're all playing soccer and baseball and all of these things. They're all out and get. And I just went back now two weeks ago, and guess what? What? Their bikes all have flat tires. Damn. And they're all back on their tablets. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. You know, so it's like they had an opportunity. They didn't capitalize on it. Yeah. Maybe. I, no. What am I saying? Nothing's going to change. <laughs> Damn, bro. You're being so uplifting, but Cutter, what happened? No, no. <laughs> yeah, because it's like that. He's like, who, who am I kidding? <laughs> All right. So, so to, I have, sorry, I have to, I have to, I have to cut it off. So Turnbull, you go first, Turnbull. What's one thing you want, whoever's listening to this podcast, because it will be people that we know listening to it, right? And others we don't know. What is one thing you want them to get out of this conversation? I mean, you know, we, we jumped all over it, so <laughs> it, it, it's a tough one is what to get out of it. It was like, you know, it was just like us just doing what we did for years, and it was just on one official platform. I don't know. It was just like us, like, you know, how we, how we always interact with each other. It's having, like, real honest opinions, like, you know, agreeing and disagree on stuff. And, you know, you know, it's all love. And that's how, that's how we always got down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that might be it for that's me. Because, like I said, like, you know, it started with one thing, but then it just showed how we always just vibe. Yeah. Like, you know, we hit on this, then we just start jumping over. And, like, somehow it all tied back in. <laughs> it <took me> <laughs> so, like, you know, we just kept it 100. And it was just great time. The time just it went by. It was fun. I don't know. McClendon? I mean, I don't even really know. I, like, related to coronavirus. Just in general. Just in general. No. In general, I would say <laughs> take care of yourself. And there are specific things that I can tell you that are secrets that I just, <laughs> that I've learned recently. And this is for everybody, including Turnbull. Should, should they right, contact you? Should they? So you, so you drop your email so they can contact you, or what? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, throw the throw the email on there. But um, it's a five step process for mental health. Are you ready? Let's this hear is it. for you, Angel, too. Okay, let's hear it. First step. First step. Take a, take a certain amount of time. It could be one minute. It could be five minutes. And focus on the breath that's going in and out of your nose. First step, okay? Do that right now. Second step. Focus on all five of your senses one at a time. What you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you feel, like your skin, and what you taste. Okay, that's step two. Step three. Focus on all of the feelings inside of your body. It's called interoception. Mm-hmm. Do that again, all for the same interval, each of the steps. Step four, think of all of the people you're grateful for. Turbo, are you kidding me right now? That's not me. What? Oh, whose phone is vibrating like that? 
That's my dad, actually. Funny <laughs> I'm, like, that I was I'm like ruining this moment right now. <laughs> Think of all of the people you're grateful for. Maybe start with the people in your family and your friends. Maybe I. Talk about think about the people that are next to you physically, like in your apartment building, whatever. Expand it out uh-huh. to the whole world. Appreciate it, and then the final step, step five. You sit back and you observe everything from a detached place of witness, and that's your that's your five step meditation. It's called the wheel of awareness. You made that up. Anybody? You made that, that up. Would be the, the wheel of awareness. <laughs> You're welcome. Jesse put me through that the other day and I felt it just feel good. It felt good? Yeah. Well, right, I did that. Set a, set a little timer and, and, and do it for yourself. It's the best thing you'll do all day. True, right. true, true. That's real. Well, I, so I, we had a whole long conversation. He just throws that out there. We're going to be what he wants to get to get out of this conversation. This is what I, a whole other thing. But that's it. I hope you enjoy that episode with uh, Carlos and Justin. Um, I really did. It's always lots of fun. As you saw, if you listen to the entire thing, you saw how all over the place we got, but we, we finally returned home to <laughs> speaking about the coronavirus. And that's usually how it went, honestly. We would start on one topic, they go from three to five to seven topics, and then land back on the first one. So that's always <laughs> a lot of fun. And as just an update as of now, um, where I'm recording this, now in New York City, uh, the schools are now closed uh, in the city. He, as you heard Justin saying, they were still open at this point. They're now closed. And also an update here in Costa Rica, they have the president just announced literally probably an hour ago before I recorded this that the borders are now closed. There's no entry into the country for foreigners, only uh, residents and citizens. And there's no, uh, yeah, and you can't leave basically. Um, the borders are now closed and schools are now shut down. My school returns back, is back in session on April 14th. That's after spring break. We're really living in crazy times right now, honestly. Like, I've never experienced anything like this. I don't think any of you have as well, you know, unless you're old enough to remember World War II. But, <laughs> um, yeah, this is just really crazy. But at the end of the day, all we could do is, you know, obviously be precautious. You know, I'm, I'm taking a lot of precautions. Yeah, and just try your, try your best to keep, not make light of everything, but as you see, have you heard I laugh a lot about a lot of things? You got to laugh at a lot of stuff, you know, because at the end of the day, you don't know tomorrow's not promised or you guys today, you know. So just to make the make the most out of what you got and what you can do on, on, on a daily basis. And if anything, all what 2020 has, has shown me, at least from, you know, you got Kobe's death, which was crazy. You had like those wildfires that happened. And then you have this. I mean, just a lot of moments where you, you know, lots of points in, uh, in, in three short months where we can reflect on what actually matters and what doesn't, you know. So it's my hope that all of you listening and just and for myself as well, you know, this is, this is like self-talk for me that I realize what's, what's important what ma- and what doesn't matter, you know, and put my energy on things that do matter. And then that's all we can do. Yeah. I uh, wish you nothing but peace and love and safety. And don't forget to wash your hands <laughs> and all that good stuff. And hopefully before you know it, uh, this will be behind us. And hopefully it's such for me because... I definitely want to go to Kenya in July. So I hope that flights are back up and running. And as of now, my flight's not canceled. So yeah, 
But anyway, hope you enjoy that episode. Stay safe. Quarantine if you need to, obviously, if that's what's being asked of you. Oh, um, yeah. Take care. See you soon. This is A Living Color Abroad. Peace. <laughs>